And once you figure out a repeatable business model, then you transition from startup to a business. And that's when you scale. That's when you raise funds. This is episode number 28 of The Inspiring Talk with serial entrepreneur and investor Avelo Roy. Welcome guys to The Inspiring Talk. My name is Vijay Gautam. I'm host for this show. Each week I interview today's most successful and inspiring personalities to help you realize your inner potential. Thanks for joining me in this brand new episode, boys and girls. I'm very, very excited for my guest, Avelo Roy. If building your own business, that too, with almost zero money is your dream, then this episode is for you. Avelo is a serial entrepreneur who has built seven businesses in United States with multi-million dollars worth of products and services in wide range of segments from consumer electronics to food science to healthcare process automation, etc. Avelo started his first company at the age of 19 while he was still in college with almost zero money of his own. Within three years, he was able to turn that company to a million dollar in valuation. He has won more than 70 awards in United States, Canada and India and is also regarded as one of the 40 most follow people in Indian startup ecosystem by Bizdoor. He is also multiple TEDx speaker and currently Avelo runs the largest startup incubator in East India called Kolkata Ventures with over 350 startups. In this episode, Avelo talks about where was the seed of entrepreneurship planted on him and why did he wrote a letter to Bill Gates while he was in Earth Standard asking if Bill would be his business partner. Avelo's source of inspiration when he feels low how he was able to start a company with zero money of his own and turn it into a million dollar company in very very short span of time. What most millennials don't understand about entrepreneurship, how you can reach out to influencers and find mentors who can accelerate your success and much more. I have enjoyed a lot having this conversation with Avelo is there's much to learn from this episode. Make sure that you take a screenshot of this and post it on your Instagram story and don't forget to tag me and Avelo. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, please be informed that you can search and subscribe to this show on podcast app on iPhone, which is already installed on your phone. The name of app is Podcasts. If you are Android user, you can download CastBox app, which is the most popular app for listening podcast on Android. You can even try premium version of CastBox, that is C-A-S-T-B-O-X for next six months if you use the coupon code T-I-T, which is short form of The Inspiring Talk. Use coupon code T-I-T on CastBox app to enjoy the free premium version for next six months and you can cancel the subscription anytime. I'd like to thank CastBox for offering this to my listeners. So go ahead and download the CastBox app and make sure to subscribe to the Inspiring Talk podcast on CastBox so that you won't miss great interviews with my highly successful guests every week. So without further ado, let me welcome the one and only Avelo Roy. Welcome back, guys. It's an honor to have Avelo Roy on the Inspiring Talk podcast. Avelo, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Very honored to be here. 
Thanks for joining in. I really appreciate that. You know, I bumped into you or your video on Facebook about, you know, Kolkata Ventures, where you were talking about how small startups can look bigger by hanging around with big daddy or well-established organizations. And I was like, hell yeah. I mean, he's making a lot of sense. And I want to, uh, I went back to learn about you and your work. And I was like, man, I want to bring him on the show. So I went through a lot of your videos from time management to leaderships. And all of them were very practical. And I loved them because they made a lot of sense to me. And But I was skeptical that, you know, uh, if you'd agree to be on the show, crossed my finger and sent you that email. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you are here. So thank you once again for being on the show. Well, it means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Avelo, I want to dig into your childhood. You wrote a letter to Bill Gates while you were in class eight, asking if he would be interested in being your business partner. <laughs> And and apparently, it, it's interesting that Bill Gates responded to you huh. as well. And this shows the level of determination that you had to be an entrepreneur. So what I'm keen in understanding is where was this thought or seed of entrepreneurship planted on your mind at that very young age? Well, I, I, I come from a family of politicians and business people. So... My great-great-grandmother was Sarojini Naidu, so that's the politician line on the, my mother's side. My father's side is mostly business. So I uh, found myself gravitating either way, but business was always something I wanted to do. But it was never clear because I was a very shy person. I could not talk to anyone. I was extremely introvert. And it took me six months to actually find Bill Gates' email. You know, That was my first oh, wow. step towards entrepreneurship, was actually writing to him. Like, okay, here's one man I know who has done it. Let me reach out and see if he responds. And because he responded to me, I respond to everyone who messages me, you know, uh, like you were saying that you weren't sure if I would be on the show. I make myself very accessible to people purposely because I have been very fortunate to get mentors who have made themselves accessible to my, me. And as a result, I've run, you know, learned and grown. And, and it's my uh, duty now to do that for uh, my next generation of entrepreneurs. Wow, I love that. Since you mentioned that, you know, you were born in house of leaders and, uh, you know, risk takers Mm -hmm. from your great grandmother, Sarojini Naidu, who was a freedom fighter and poet, who is also referred as a nightingale of India. Mm -hmm. So she for sure was a true inspiration for many generations for her boldness and stepping out and breaking stereotypes. And your grandfather, as you said, was a freedom fighter. Mm -hmm. Your father is an entrepreneur. Mother is a politician. So being born among leaders in your own house, how has that helped you in terms of building a kind of leader's mindset? So it's really funny because I have grown up watching uh, speeches by my grandfather and my mother, uh, and but I couldn't say a word to even my driver. I was that shy. Mm-hmm. But somehow or other, subconsciously, these things did help. I would see political people coming to my house, how, you know, they were treated by my mother, how she was able to, you know, be a single woman, you know, dealing with like 30, 40 men in a room, you know, and be the leader for them. So there was a lot of learning, a lot of, in terms of interpersonal skills, in terms of body language, in terms of uh, diplomacy, in terms of uh, negotiation, 
uh, in terms of leadership. But then I never had an opportunity or an avenue to actually express them till I went to the U.S. and I got my freedom. Because here I was a very protected child. I was shy. I was bullied in school. Uh, and I was never a good student as such. So I never got the opportunity to actually compete and prove myself. So only when I went to America, I was not judged for being short. I was not judged for being Indian or brown. I was not judged for, for all my weaknesses. Rather, I was celebrated for my strengths, mm. my, my curiosity, my uh, wanting to be somebody that I am not. And that uh, is where I really flourished. But then I noticed that the things I had learned as a child growing up in a household like mine were coming in handy because now those skills of negotiation, communication, things that I've seen my mother do are the things that uh, I was able to implement on a day-to-day basis. And uh, so I feel very fortunate that, that I had that uh, subconsciously developing me without even me knowing that that was affecting me. Until date, I, I am extremely good with uh, judging people and their character. And that, again, comes from me having seen so many varieties of people coming to my home from cab drivers to ministers and parliamentarians. So uh, I, I have a very amazing skill of, of gauging people and and categorizing people and knowing what they would be interested in their needs and concerns because of my upbringing, which, uh, you know, came in later in my life. So it's, it's like you go through life, you don't realize how a certain experience might help you maybe even 10, 20 years later. So no, nothing is really a waste. We might think, oh, this is such a waste. I don't know why I got that skill. Like Steve Jobs, you know, he learned calligraphy. And that's why we have fonts in our computers. If we didn't do it, Although it was a random classic what walked into it, it has revolutionized uh, the the computer industry. Yeah, true. I was wondering, like, if you could share any other specific events or maybe some kind of incidents that that comes to your mind uh, about conditioning from your parents. Like, you know, they're trying to teach you, uh, f- like, rather than you learning from observing. Are there any such kind of uh, specific events or memories from your childhood uh, that your parents has taught you and that has helped you in having a growth and risk-taking mindset as you grew up? Yes, yes, definitely. So my um, growing up, my mother would always say, you know, be one out of five people, that be different, be unique so people can distinguish you you know, out of five people, you should be different. And as a result, I always try to be unique, try to do things uniquely, think differently, uh, be a leader. So that was always uh, kind of brainwashed. I was brainwashed into uh, that, and that helped a lot. Where in life, I've chosen different paths uh, because of that mindset. Your work ethics and leadership seems to be guided or inspired a lot from Srimad Bhagavad Gita. So how do you get into understanding of Gita and how has that helped you in shaping your own life? Sure. So I was always interested in Gita. I tried reading online, but when I went to America to study in 2005, uh, I came in contact with my spiritual mentor, 
you know, so ISKCON, International Society for Krishna Consciousness, uh, they were having college programs in my college. And I was very curious to know about karma, reincarnation, psychology, and things that the Gita talks about. And it so happened that my parents were getting separated, you know, very early on. My first year ending in college and second year starting, my parents were getting separated. And that was also the time where I used Gita to actually cope with the situation emotionally. Uh, I was in financial debt because, you know, my father decided to stop paying for my education. And I really didn't have too much options. I was, I even contemplated ending my life at one point. And Bhagavad Gita was the single most effective motivation that pulled me out of it and allowed me to start even dare to start a business with so much you know about $37,000 in debt hmm. uh, and that is only possible because you know Gita has been spoken on the battlefield Arjun doesn't want to fight the war seeing his grandfathers and teachers on the other side and Krishna is motivating him to fight the war because the right thing to do they have wronged his wife and you know, to, to make it right he has to fight and that's the 700 verses of Bhagavad Gita. That was my life. That was a fight I was fighting. That should I fight the life, the, the war of life, or should I end it? Should I escape from my life? And Bhagavad Gita teaches you to face it, face your difficulties, and fight it. So that fighting spirit continued through raising funds for my business, through uh, rejections, through breakups, through all the different fights that we all have in our lives. Uh, Bhagavad Gita has been an inspiration. So I always promise to myself that the struggles I have gone through, I will not let my next generation you know, go through as much as I can influence that. So I have created uh, scholarship funds and I've created things in the U.S. where students can learn Bhagavad Gita, and apply it in their lives and be happy both spiritually and materially. Um, so now let's switch gears to starting your first venture while in college and which eventually turned to a million dollar business in a couple of years. I was wondering if you could share uh, how did that all happen? Everything from getting funds to building prototype to scaling up and uh, getting to market. How did that all entire process happen? So I'll, uh, you know, uh, the reason I went to America, although, you know, it was to study in college, but actual reason was to start a business. So I was constantly looking for opportunities, how I could start a business and, you know, having friends from all over the world, because U.S. education, you know, you get people, international students coming from different parts of the world. And one day I was uh, drinking water and I found a poster near the water fountain that says business idea competition. And I was like, great. Uh, so I went to the website and one of the rules was you cannot apply alone. You have to get a co-founder. So if I, I was in the student government, I had run for elections and won. So I knew the best and the brightest students on campus. So I got the three most intelligent people that I knew. We built a mm -hmm. team and we started brainstorming different, different markets, market research, and then came up with a, you know, okay idea. We won the competition and then we created a team and we got the university to create a course around it. And in that course, basically, our team members get paid by credit hours. So our university has a policy that when you graduate from our university, Illinois of Technology, you have to take two IPROs, mm -hmm. which are interprofessional projects. And people get credits 
you know, you need to take it. It's a compulsory thing to graduate. So we created our own interprofessional project and we got students to work for free. We got faculty advisors. We got to build our prototypes using university resources, um, university labs and everything. And then because it was we were targeting, so this was a time when Facebook just came in, MySpace was going down and parents were extremely scared about their, uh, especially if parents who had daughters, were very scared about their daughters meeting cyber bullies and pedophiles online. So we created this social network where you can authenticate your friends through a necklace, a necklace which is a wireless device. You can send messages to other necklaces. You can authenticate only people who have those necklaces would be able to become friends online. So we created patents around it, you know, uh, in US, UK, Japan, and four semesters of IPRO. So we got enough student work to get a proof of concept ready. In the process, we won 14 business plan competitions, got $40,000 in in prize money that we won. It was basically free money. And, uh, you know, this was 2009 when we graduated. So economy was terrible. US was uh, in, in the standstill. Nobody was investing. People were losing jobs. People were losing homes. It was horrible. And that was when we were doing a startup. And I had taken a vow that I would not do a job. All I would do is, is, is business. So it took us a very long time. It took us almost a year. Uh, 300 rejections from venture capitalists. And finally, uh, one venture capital firm named Sandbox Industries decided to invest in us. And then came Illinois Ventures, and then our own university invested in us. So we got three investors, and then we built the prototype, designed the prototype in the US, and then ran over to China, again referred by one of our mentors. Uh, so Texas Instruments referred us to uh, a very trusted manufacturing facility in China. We were extremely well uh, respected. Even though teenagers, because we were referred by Texas Instruments, we were given a Mercedes limo, you know, received from the airport. We went to China, saw the factories. And before even we signed a contract, mm. these guys had the prototypes ready for us. We brought that back, uh, launched it in the U.S. Very quickly, you know, we took care of things. And then we got a quick exit shortly thereafter. So the value we built in was through the currency of relationship. And that was my first TED talk mm-hmm. for the current relation, because when we had no money, we, we had our professors, we had our friends, we had people that trusted us. And even the patents that I talk about was filed by a patent attorney who filed with his own pocket money. It was $18,000 of his own money that he put in. His partners were like, are you crazy? He said, no, I believe these guys. They will return it. Trust me. We had no money. We were graduating from college. Me and my business partner, Edward. We were graduating from college. We had no money at that time, and time was running out. If we didn't file it, we wouldn't be able to patent it. And he very kindly put in the money, and we returned the money. And over the last 10 years, I have he has made 10 times more of that through the referrals that I've given him you know, for intellectual property uh, protection. Wow. Wow. And that's the perfect example of how relationship works. Um, what are some of the biggest challenges that you have faced in your entrepreneurial journey and the most important lessons that you have learned from making, you know, those mistakes that you have made along the way? So um, if there are some of, you know, those that comes to your mind and if it, anything is specific. So a couple of mistakes. One would be product development. 
I spent way too much time trying to build a product in the US uh, that cost me a lot of money, a lot of time, when I should have gone to China in the first place because they are experts. Their work culture is, is very much a can-do spirit. You know, yes, we can. It's before even signing contract, before even paying them, they already had products ready. And that work culture is not there in the US and India, you cannot even think about it. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was one mistake. That And the other mistake was that we were dealing with the web developer in Macedonia, manufacturing in China, firmware in Vietnam, and you know, our, our, we are based in the US. So as a result, what was happening was people were blaming each other for the problems that we're facing. And I was tearing my hair trying to figure out whose problem it is and who should fix it. Uh, going back, I would just do it a one-stop shop, one place where everything happens so that there's no blame game. If the, I take one person and I blame him for it, it's like, you're not getting your work done, get it done on time. This is what I need to do. That's one. Two is hiring and recruiting. Um, I have been emotional in a lot of times hiring people who are not right. Uh, they were very nice people, but they were not the most skilled people. And from that, I have learned that hire slow, fire fast. That if somebody is uh, proven to be not good, then don't wait too long, giving them more chances. Just fire them immediately because they, people who are actually working hard feel lethargic looking at people who are slackers. Mm. It's cancer for the organization. So when there's cancer, you've got to operate out the tumor as soon as you can. So hire slow, fire fast. I think these are the two things uh, I, I would say that I made mistake. It's like, don't let, don't have too many moving parts in a business. Mm-hmm. You know, take one thing and let the one person be responsible for multiple things so that there's no blame game going on. Another thing is hiring the right people. And I still continue to face that challenge right now in India. Hiring is, is such a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've learned to hire slow. I, I am patient. If it takes me three months to fulfill a job position, I will wait. But I will wait for the right person to join on board. Yeah, absolutely. You appear to me as a very, very good pitch maker, you know, since you have been winning many competitions and while you were in college and after that as well. And you are always prepared with the pitch for investors and if some college senior or let's say fresh graduate was just going out to real world, right, uh, and just coming out of the college and they come to you and ask you about how they can nail the pitch in front of investor so that they get yes for the most of the time. So if you have to train them or teach them or maybe, you know, recommend some techniques or read something, what you do say to someone who wants to develop that kind of skill set so even today you know if you if you ask me a question about you know what do you who are you what do you do i have a pitch ready when i'm pitching myself mm-hmm. if you ask me about my business i have a pitch ready to pitch my business uh, so being always ready has uh, has been uh, part of part of my my success because a lot of people you never know who you're going to meet. Hmm. And like one time I had met uh, Mr. Jamie Pritzker, who's the 280th richest person in the world. He's a billionaire in Chicago. Now he's running for elections as the governor of Illinois. Mm-hmm. And he'll run for presidency uh, next term. So amazing person. I was at a networking event. I saw him. 
everybody was jumping on him. I waited till the crowd, crowd kind of cleared out. And then one of my mentors connected us. And he said, so what do you do? And I had a 30-second pitch ready. And he said, wow, I appreciate the fact that you're so prepared. I don't give my email to anyone, but I'll give it to you. Mm. And, and since then, we have been in touch. So uh, it's about, so why, what makes your pitch right is a lot of research. I have tremendous confidence on what I speak because I research things, then I apply it. So from knowledge, it becomes realized knowledge. So if somebody says, um, you know, try this tool, it really works well. I'll actually try the tool and see if it really works. And then I'll speak with the full realization, with full confidence that, yes, I have tried it, it works. So when you're pitching to investors or pitching to even jobs, uh, providers, uh, because when you're giving a resume or when you're doing interview, you're actually pitching. So it's not just entrepreneurs pitch. So in that pitch, you need to be confident about the things you're talking about. And that confidence is coming from uh, realized knowledge, which means actual practical experience. You, If you try to fool people, people can actually understand that you're fooling. And genuine confidence is always rewarded. Uh, one of the ways to get there in the right, you've talked about techniques of pitching, is to record yourself, either through video or through audio or in front of a mirror and see where you're going wrong. How would you like to hear? Think from a third person's vantage point. How, what would impress you if you were a judge or if you were an investor or if you were an employer? And accordingly, practice, practice, practice. When I would go for these competitions, I would practice 60 to 70 times I would wake up 4 a.m. in the morning. And if my competition is at 10 a.m., I would practice for literally like six hours, you know, multiple times till it became perfect. And, and as a result, now that I do TEDx talks and I have my own TV show and I'm constantly talking, even though I was that shy fellow that I was when I was a kid, that has transformed completely out of practice. Confidence along with practice. And, and it's, it's just magic what happens thereafter. And even till date, I watch my videos myself multiple times to see where I can do things better in terms of body language, in terms of tone, in terms of, you know, my, the words that I use. So all of that makes sense. But start with really knowing what you're talking about so you're confident and then practicing as much as you can to make it compelling the, because 7% of your speech is the text, the words that hmm. you say. 93% is the nonverbal communication, whether it's the body language or the tone or the pitch or whatever that is. So, so very important to perfect those things by watching yourself on video or in front of a mirror or by recording yourself. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your own uh, you know, uh, practice schedule and how you do that. Uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, another thing that I want to ask you is about mentors. Mm. Like having mentors is very important in growing mm. business or in, in life. So you have had access to great mentors for yourself, including Chief Technical Officer of President Obama. And what is your approach in getting top-notch, you know, millionaire or billionaire mentors for yourself? So it's, it's, it's about your network. Uh, so I was very fortunate to be in Chicago and Chicago happens to be Obama's 
home. <laughs> so through my professors, I got to know Harper, and through Harper, I got to get opportunities uh, in with whether it's White House, whether it's investors, whether it's you know uh, whatever. So uh, that was very fortunate of me. But today, I feel people have even more access through Quora, through LinkedIn, through Facebook. When I was at my stage, you know, starting out, LinkedIn wasn't this popular. Neither was Facebook even. Facebook didn't reach a billion users at that time. It was just new. Uh, and uh, Quora didn't exist. But today you see Quora is such an opportunity where industry leaders are answering directly, you know, to people's questions. So all it takes is really uh, a sincere approach. Uh, I was just talking to one of my mentees just before your call. And he said, you know, sir, whatever you taught me about reaching out to people on LinkedIn works like magic. And I said, what did I tell you? What What did you try? He said, you told me to first engage with their posts, like them, comment on them. And then when I message them, I appreciate their effort in whatever they're doing. And then wait for a while and then ask, make that ask. So it's uh, first building the trust, building the relationship, getting in the know, and then asking for it. And he told me how he cracked a deal with Uber, you know, by doing that. And in my entrepreneurship training that I do with IIT Kharagpur and other places, I have gotten people to crack deals that are like 15 lakhs, 20 lakhs worth uh, just by reaching out in the proper way. So it's actually very easy to get mentors if you are not treating them like an ATM machine. A lot of times people message me middle of the night, sir, can you give me 10 lakhs? And I ask them back, will you give me 10 rupees? They say no. I said, yes, exactly. Same reason. You know, I don't know you. So it would be nice of you to introduce yourself. Tell me about your product. Tell me what you're doing. Give me the benefit of what I am getting out of it rather than just directly asking, can you give me 10 lakhs? Like, you know, investors are not our parents. <laughs> They're not here to provide for us. And even parents shouldn't do that. You know, parents should also, you know, give you only when you deserve it. So, so unfortunately, our education system doesn't teach people how to be uh, good in sales. And, and a big part of sales is building relationship, building trust, and then asking people to buy into whatever you're selling. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense to me because, you know, uh, in our part, especially, we are not very much, you know, uh, well-educated in terms of approaching a lot of, you know, influencers and a lot of amazing people out there. So with the start of this podcast, in a way, I'm learning to approach people, how to, you know, reach them out so that I get, uh, I get yes most of the time for interview, right? So uh, one of the guests on my podcast, uh, who is a holder of Guinness Book World Record, and he said, I have given a lot of interviews in different, you know, uh, national media and different different other platforms, but nobody approached to me with like interview flow and uh, giving the details like the way you do. So he told me that and I strike that, oh, that means I'm doing something right, so I should continue doing this. So you're I think- very it, organized. I appreciate that too. And the person you're talking about, I know him very well. He and I gave a TED talk together. Oh, wow. Yeah, you're talking about the guy with the most uh, uh, memory, uh, pie, right? pie, pie value, Christian Sahel. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he and I gave TED talk together at Ambala. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So he told me that, and I thought, yeah, I mean, it's working. <laughs> All right. So one thing I want yeah. to add, just to end the last part, how to get a mentor. Sure. 
is is one formula that I keep telling people that you want to reach out to anyone and want anything from anyone. This is the formula: give, give, give before asking. Hmm. And you might be tiny, and somebody you're reaching out to will be very big. But the fact that you're still offering something means a lot because when you become big and successful, everybody is asking favors from you. Nobody wants to give you anything. Nobody even cares to ask you how are you doing today. Yeah, you know, it's people are like after your wallet. They're after your power. Hmm. And once they're done using you, they throw you away in the trash. So give, give, give before asking. You And you take that principle and you use it in your email. You use it in your uh, you know, way of communication and you'll see the reciprocation is always there. Since you have also mentioned that you get a lot of messages and I'm anticipating that a lot of people suit you emails, you know, every single day asking you to be their mentor. Uh, mm-hmm. What are the different things that you look in a person who suits you and email asking for mentoring before you take them as your mentee? What are those qualities that you look in uh, that person? Uh, in one sense, I'm extremely responsive to people because like I told you, it's my life's mission uh, to make sure the hardship I went through, my next generation doesn't. So when people reach out to me, I do respond. Emails, I have 35,000 unread emails. <laughs> So it's a little hard for me to keep up because there's so much people just send me their pitch deck and their business plan is like, sir, fund us. You know, and those, I don't respond to them because it's like, I'm not your order supplier. I'm not a waiter for you, right? But then there are others who reach out to me through my website, developer.com. Uh, and you know, they follow the process and they ask genuinely that this is what I want. I would love to be, you know, I would love to know more about a particular thing. And those are the people I respond to and I take care of them and I try to connect them with the resources and help them out. Uh, I'm very responsive over social media because there also I get to see the people who are reaching out who they are. You know, are they a fake profile or are they somebody who is trying to be something and has no help and I'm there to help. So it's the genuine factor that, that gets me to help them out really. Because you know what happens is uh, when it's not genuine, my time is wasted and so is theirs. And that doesn't do anybody good. Uh, so I have my assistant. He screens through them before giving them appointment with me, uh, making sure you know uh, that they actually make the best use of their time with me. Yeah. What do you think is the most millennials don't understand about entrepreneurship and what's your advice to them? Most millennials don't understand about the entrepreneurship is that they think they need investment to get started even. I, ha- I receive all the time emails like, I don't have money, my parents are not rich, how will I get started with business? And my mantra is start with zero money, grow with your clients' money, and scale with investor money. So starting, you almost always, unless you're building cars or spaceships, you don't need investment. If you're building an app or if you're building anything, you can just draw it out on a cardboard, you can make a video, you can make a 3D printout, all of that can be learned on YouTube. All of that, you can actually do it for free. You can make a WordPress website in literally two hours. It doesn't cost you much. Uh, anybody can afford it, right? You can even do it free. So starting with zero money, then do a validation. Build, okay, you have a big idea, but start small. Think big, start small grow slow, then grow fast. You have a great idea that you want to change the world, fine. But start at a very small level that you can do with zero money. And then try to make money off of your customers. 
you know. See, that validation, when people swipe their credit card or they pay you, that's the validation that, okay, there is a need in the market for what you're selling. Then you test the business model. You figure out, okay, what is the best business model for this? And once you figure out a repeatable business model, then you transition from startup to a business. And that's when you scale. That's when you raise funds. If you bring in the investor too early on, first of all, you will not get the funding. This is not 2015. 2015, people were throwing money at ideas. Today, people don't throw money at ideas. you got to show a proof of concept. So uh, even if somebody does you know, come early on, they'll take 60 to 80% of your company because you have no valuation unless you're making money. So first, make money, even if it is 25 rupees a day, if it is 100 rupees a day, make some money. Break down your big business, big idea into a small business, into a small idea. Start small, grow slow, make your mistakes. And then go to investor after you've proven that, look, I've already made the mistakes. I'm not going to play with your money and use you as a guinea pig. I'm not here to make, you know, I will take care of your money and your money is only going to be built to, to grow. Your money is going to grow. Because investors think from their perspective. What are they here for? They put in money in fixed deposit. Yeah, you get 6.5%, 7%. Not too much of a growth. Why are they putting in startups that are risky? Because... It will grow by, they hope to, that it will grow by 100%, 200%, 1000%. So the more you can show them that, that this is how I will grow your money, your money is not spent for my experiments. Your money is being spent to grow in marketing and sales. That's when you get the investment. And that's where most millennials don't understand that, look, investors' money is not your money. So don't play with it. Take it seriously. They're not here to do charity. They are here to do business. So don't give out too much of your equity either. Don't let them treat you like an employee. If you bring them in too early, they're going to take over majority share in the company and you're going to be an employee. And on the other hand, if you do whatever you can from friends, family and fools, you know, get a little bit of funding if you really need to and then go to an investor, they see that you've done your hard work, you've put your skin in the game, you've experimented already, you've made your mistakes, and now you're ready for it. And even if they want to steal your idea, they won't because you're already ahead of the game. Investing in you is better than stealing the idea and doing it himself. Right? So, so they'll be like, okay, he's already six months ahead in the game. Let me just invest in him and help him out and be his partner rather than steal his idea and do it myself. So from every sense, it makes sense to start with zero money, grow with your client's money and scale with investor money. Hmm. Wow. That that's a very beautiful, you know, uh, way to grow business. You know that that opens my eye as well in a way that you know you don't need money. And you have also started the business that way, uh, as you keep saying that you know the forty thousand that you uh, received in different scholarship were kind of free money that you got. That means you spent nothing yeah. to grow your multi-million businesses. Your current work is now, you know, more focused in bringing U.S. startup ecosystem in India. Can you share, share a bit about the idea about Kolkata Ventures and activities this company is carrying forward? Sure, sure. So when I, for my first week I was in India, I uh, was invited to, speak, you know, judge a business plan competition. This was my first experience with Indian entrepreneurs. And I saw them pitching ideas with PowerPoints for 5 crores, 10 crores they are looking for. And other judges were ridiculing them. I saw it as an opportunity that they don't know. Our universities, our colleges don't teach people how to build startups, money management, how to pitch, all of that. So they're just trying. They have a dream. 
and it's my duty to help them. So I, that evening, I bought KolkataVentures.com domain, and the website was built thereafter. And then I started meeting all the mentors and people in Calcutta who are so-called ecosystem leaders. Mm-hmm. But what I realized is most mentors have never built a business themselves, or they have only at best built failed startups. So that that you know knowledge that they're sharing is book knowledge. It's not knowledge from from the hard learned lessons. So Kolkata Ventures, a huge part is about education and mentoring. So we provide uh, mentors who are millionaire entrepreneurs from US, India, Hong Kong, who help these startups. And then is the seed funding part because there's a lot of people investing in later stage, but seed funding is rare. So we focus on the 25,000 to 25 lakh seed funding area. And then there is resource sharing because we're the largest startup incubator in East India. We have 350 plus startups. Uh, we have, because of our size, we get a lot of discounts from lawyers and developers, designers, and basically, you know, vendors. So that we, we, forward those discounts to the startups and as a result are uh, you know we are very proud to say that 273 startups out of 350 are generating revenue whereas if you look at the indian uh, statistics in 2016 65% of funded startups failed and of all the startups that get funded only 2% get funded so basically the success rate is less than 1% at the Indian uh, level, whereas in Kolkata Ventures, we have 273 out of 350 that are making money. And that's purely because we use the science of startups, lean startup methodology. That's what we educate them in, lean startup methodology. We educate them spiritually, emotionally, communication-wise. We re- we do a makeover of their personality, you know, from the the whole employee mentality to the entrepreneurial mentality and give them the skills over five weekends, 90 hours, certified by IIT Kharagpur, taught by me. And that revolutionizes how they think and look at the world. And, and in most cases, people are generating revenue and being extremely successful. You know, I, Okay, maybe I shouldn't say extremely successful, but there are people who are making 40,000 rupees a month, and there are people who are making 2.5 crores a month. You know, and so, so the success is on different levels. But... They're, they're doing better than Flipkart, I would say, because hmm. you know, we are not the kind of startups that burn money and pride in saying, oh, we are 7,000 crores in debt. No, these guys are making money. They're generating revenue and creating jobs. That's more important. Yeah, yeah. That's Kolkata Ventures in a nutshell for you. Hmm. Awesome, awesome. So uh, Kolkata Ventures is expanding outside India or it's uh, what are the future plans for this company? So we have focused purely on East India, 10 states of East India. Now we have been moving uh, to Northeast, to Delhi NCR, Bangalore, Mumbai, but definitely not outside India. Rather, we want to bring in outside money to India but we are not going to be going outside India yet. Okay. Definitely expanding out of East India to other parts of India. Hmm. So um, when you f- yourself feel down moments in your own life, or maybe you, you may not feel that, uh, but, I'm assuming, <laughs> but I'm assuming that you, know, you feel overwhelmed in your 
uh, life. So mm-hmm. how do you come back to uh, focus or are there any specific questions that you ask yourself or anything that has helped you in overcoming this kind of scenario? Yes, uh, Bhagavad Gita, again, uh, going back to it, uh, in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Aham Bija Pratapitaha. I'm the seed-giving father of all living beings. So when I feel like I'm not good enough, I'm not capable enough, I am not able to you know, live up to my expectations, uh, I think about who's my father. And my father is Krishna, who's the richest, who's the most powerful, who's the strongest, who's the most uh, knowledgeable. So that inspires me like, okay, so that's where my source is coming from. Yoga in Sanskrit means to connect. Yoga, it means to connect. Mm. So connecting with the, the, the Supreme Father, connecting with my creator, uh, allows me to have access to infinite knowledge, infinite wisdom, infinite power, infinite money. Anything I need, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita again, Yoga Kshemam Vahamyaham, which is the tagline of LIC, if you know. Mm. And that I sustain what you have and I carry what you lack. So again, that uh, inspires me that, okay, I have somebody who's supporting me and, and that pushes me back uh, in action. Uh, a lot of times I also watch biographies of successful people like Henry Ford and people like that and see them, how they have gotten out of their struggles. They've gone through struggles and they've gotten out of it victorious. Uh, I, I listen to motivational speakers like Tony Robbins, uh, Simon Sinek, people like that. So, so various ways, but primarily spiritual. And then, uh, you know, on, in addition to that, there are other uh, sources of inspiration that I latch on to. And that brings me back to action very, very quickly. Guys, I'm enjoying this conversation with Avelo Rue, and I hope you are as well. Now, it's time for the enlightening round. But before that, here's a small request for you. If you have not subscribed to this podcast, make sure that you do that right away on your podcast addict app on Android phone or Apple Podcasts app on iPhone so that you won't miss amazing talks like this with other achievers whom I interview every single week in this podcast. You can find all the resources we talk about on this episode by visiting Sonote Space or tapping on the description inside your podcast app. So Avelo, are you excited for the enlightening round? Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. So what inspires you to do everything that you do? I like to see sad faces become happy faces. And for that, I'm willing to do anything. Which one daily habit do you believe has been game changer for you in your success journey? Meditation. I meditate two hours a day and it keeps me calm, fixed and focused. Which one book, according to you, is a must read for everyone looking to make difference or make their life better? Bhagavad Gita. If you were to start this success journey all over again, what are those three things that you think you would have done differently? So three things would be, one would be uh, I would take more time hiring people, hiring the right people. Mm-hmm. Um, I would try to make people own responsibilities rather than me micromanaging everything and trying to you know uh, deal with 10 million things, rather focus on only one thing. Like over the last Several businesses have realized I'm good at marketing and sales and branding. Uh, I'm okay with product management. I'm okay with legal stuff. I'm okay with a lot of things, but I'm really good at marketing. 
And that's right now, that's what I do. But at the early stage, if I knew, I would have just focused on what I am good at and let others be responsible for what they're good at. Can you share any online tool or app that you have found very useful for you in your business or life? Uh, Audible is something that I use. Uh, so my bathroom time is used efficiently. I listen to audiobooks while I'm showering uh, in the morning that I find extremely useful. I also use Basecamp as a project management software where I constantly, I know what tasks who needs to do and it takes care of all accountability for me. Uh, and then there is uh, Salesforce, which is also another great tool to maintain uh, and monitor my sales team, how they're doing and whatnot. So those are the few things that I would recommend. Awesome tools. And Audible is like one of the uh, app that has been recommended by many, many, many guests on uh, this podcast since I started asking this online tool question because, you know, I, I didn't have this question when I started this podcast, but I started this asking from last month to guest any online tool or app. And a lot of them are saying Audible. So guys, if you want to uh, try Audible and get your first free book, you can go to theinspiringtalk.com forward slash Audible. That is A-U-D-I-B-L-E and you will get your first free audiobook so that you can get a feel how uh, listening to audiobook feels. So Avelo, I want to thank you for everything that you are doing to bring smiles to sad faces, which is your mission statement as well. And you are leaving that statement in true sense. So I'm so glad that you made some time for this interview. And I'm so happy that, you know, I, I, uh, having this conversation with you i get a feeling that you know we have our own gary v in india who motivates you know uh, a lot of youth so i think uh, i i just get that sense because there is no such personality who uh, motivates or inspires people in true sense the way you do or the way you you know project yourself in front of people so i would like to thank you for doing that and thank you for doing everything that you are doing to make this world a better place thank you Vijay. you're very kind and i hope all success for you and that you grow your podcast and get more and more people benefit from your good work thank you very much so yeah here's the last question but before i ask you the last question uh -huh. um can you share how people can connect and engage with you and if they want to learn more about you, your uh, company, Kolkata Ventures, and if they want to uh, get connected with you, what's the best possible way? If you want to get connected with me, just message me on Facebook Messenger or LinkedIn, uh, or you can go to aveloroy.com and on the contact page, you can fill out if you want mentorship, one-on-one, -on -one, meet me in person, whatnot. If you want Kolkata Ventures, just go to kolkataventures.com. Uh, and you can get all the information there. And I have linked everything uh, that Avelo just mentioned on Sonote page of this episode. So make sure you check those all links if you uh, just can't keep track of that. Um, so Avelo, here's the last question for you. And and before I ask you last question, listeners, just uh, listen to this carefully. Avelo is creating a lot of, lot of video contents on his Facebook page and on YouTube that I have personally subscribed and followed him on. And these um, contents are like based on his experience and his learnings throughout his life. You can get nobody sharing those insights. So make sure you follow him over at Facebook and on his YouTube channel. And I'm going to link all those links on the page of this episode. 
um, so Avelo here's the last question mm-hmm. imagine that you are standing in front of millions of people uh, on the stadium that is like the biggest stadium ever built in the history of time and every seats on that stadium is occupied and there are you know millions of millions of people sitting there with their eyes wide open and eagerly wanting to listen from you and now you have to share most important lesson that you have learned in life to all the people sitting there and you have got only one minute of your time what would be your message think big really big start small grow slow and then grow fast know that you're not the controller there is a lot that's beyond your control there's a lot of things you don't know that you don't know and get help don't be shy to ask for help only when you ask you get it so when you are in the start small phase make mistakes but learn from them don't repeat them and the think big part keep that alive don't let anybody tell you that you cannot do it believe in yourself believe in a higher power whether you call him god or whoever you call but believe that there is more to life than just you and you're being helped if you need to have your focus on the think big part and just keep going go through rejections go through failures just keep going be persistent don't give up call me message me i'm here to personally help you and and be successful thank you very much this has been phenomenal thank you very much all the best There you have it theinspiringtalk.com/2828 I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Avelo Roy If you got some inspiration or learned something new then make sure to share this with your friends post it on Facebook Twitter or Instagram and let your friends know about this amazing information let's share this piece of information and help many others to get inspired from Avelo's journey and insights You can access show notes page of this episode by visiting theinspiringtalk.com slash 2828. And finally, as Avelo said, don't let excuses stop you from taking actions and executing on your ideas. You will only know if your idea works by putting it into action. Take that first step, keep moving forward, seek help from mentors and make it happen. Thank you for listening. I'll catch you in the next now. Go out there and do something inspiring.